Stakes That Matter. This is Demystified, solving DM mysteries in 20 minutes or less, because the only hard part is scheduling the next session. Hi, I'm Jamie. I'm Joey. And I'm Asa. Today, we're going to talk about making your story matter to your players. This is a bit more of a writing topic. And one of the hardest lessons that any author needs to learn is that you will care about stuff as a writer and no one else will because you will care about your characters because they are fully fleshed out in your head. You will care about the plot because the outcomes and what's on the line is very real in your head. And if you try to make the reader, make your players care about all of this stuff that you know and you have provided them zero information, they're going to be very uninterested, nonchalant, or confused when you try to introduce them into the scenario that you care a lot about, but they don't have all of that information and all of that backstory. So I wanted to talk about introducing stakes. And this is a beginner's mistake that I have seen many writers do, and I've heard DMs do, where you start off chapter one, And you start off chapter one where maybe someone is fighting for their life or someone is really interested in something or is chasing something and in a setting that they should be really interested in the setting that you've introduced. I mean, Azaf was talking about that time his DM set them up in a tavern and was upset at them for not talking to one of the four quest givers that was in the tavern. The players had no inkling of what was at play there, what was at stake. And because the DM withheld that information, it made the play session worse. Yeah, I think it's important that the DM knows the players and their characters. And I mean, that's not something, knowing your players, that's not something that's going to happen overnight. That's something that's going to happen through sessions, months, months playing together. But you can try to get to know their characters a little bit more easily, I think. Because when my players make the characters, I try to make it important that they select their personality traits for their characters. And even if they haven't put a lot of thought into their backstory, you can look at those personality traits and use those as cues to ask the player more about their character, get more information, and then build the story about them, about their characters. Because once you make the game about the characters, they will be more interested in the game i think there's two sides to it there's two ways to tackle if you're a new dm with a rotating group it can be really hard to create a game that is centered on the characters right which you know because that could require a whole lot of build-up and then the player might not stay and then all that effort is gone or the character might die and then all that effort is is, you have to shift gears a lot right so a good short-term solution or a good term with new players who haven't really put a lot into it is you can tell the players up front to make a character that cares about x you can decide what your character is how they work but you make them want this thing or care about this thing Mm -hmm. you make that happen that's the only thing that you got to do when they come to the table and then that allows you to take especially if you're doing a pre-written adventure or if you're if that's the way you're going having that stake predefined to the player can help cause things to keep moving or or going and it helps keep things cohesive right if you're working with players that you already know uh if you're working at a campaign that's you know your custom writing 
or something like that, it definitely is good to build off of what your characters are building. Right. I think it's two different ways to do it depending on circumstances. Okay. Yeah. So to translate that into some writing terminology, there are public stakes and there are personal stakes. And when you're writing, the public stakes are what get the character into the story. They care about the world not ending because they live in it. They care about toppling the big bad guy because his breath stinks. Personal stakes are, I think, more compelling. And in the long term, they're what bring players to the table. And they take a lot more work to get right because it has to be something that as a DM, you can facilitate. And as a player that they have the buy-in and they go, this this does matter to me, to my character, but also to me who's playing them. And by getting that buy-in, by getting a little bit of personal and a little bit of public, you get that initial buy-in and then you have to start crafting it. And you can spend some time, if you have that rotating table, dealing with just the public stakes. And it won't be as engaging, it won't be as sticky, but it can still be really good. Curse of Strahd is all about freeing a town. Oh yeah, I mean, that's one of my favorite adventures to run is Curse of Strahd. And I feel like it's, it's such an easy game to get the, the story to matter to the players. You're given this handful of NPCs to work with at the beginning of the game. You got Strahd, Irina, and Ismark. And when you're run, at least running Curse of Strahd, the key to making the players care about the story is to make them care about Irina and Ismark. And they spend the majority of the adventure traveling through different places in Barovia, trying to find a safe spot for Arena, only to have Strahd come in and take her away from them after they realize that there is nowhere safe to go. And they have to decide if everything that they did was worth it or not. Having NPCs that the players care about is really important because if their player characters care about those NPCs, then the players will care about what you as the DM make your NPCs care about. So if it's really important that your NPC isn't captured by Strahd and, you know, taken across the entire realm. Well, that is important because then Strahd's got, you know, Strahd's got that NPC that they care about. They got to go rescue that NPC. One of the things I like to do with my players, because I mentioned in a previous episode, you know, give me character backstories that are like bullet points. I like to look specifically for major things that happened in their life. I ask for like, why did this person start adventuring? Mm -hmm. That's usually a major point. Something happened. And I look for the NPCs in their backstory that they, and if they give just a vague person, I ask the player, who is this person? Tell me about them. Why was it important that they were there? And that becomes an NPC that I then can use for information later. Either have it be something that they interact with, or if they died, I can bring it up somewhere else. And I try to have that conversation with the player about what the things they brought into their character backstory. And I make a little chart of like the player name, character info, any friendly NPCs from their backstory, uh, the major plot points that they mentioned any enemy PCs that they brought up, like if there was one in particular that really caused their character to go, any major hooks that I can bring in, like one of the players, he owes a debt to a mentor and he owes a debt to the college that he went to. So that's something that could be farmed for something later. I also put in a column of like, what is the character flaw? Right. Although just doing that isn't a surefire way to get the players to care because I have 
personally seen it where the DM will bring in characters from the background creation. And because the background creation might have happened several months ago, this is just a line item in a notepad file somewhere. And it's not a real character. Like, it can really pull some of the narrative tension to go out and go, my character turns to, what? What was their name? What what was my dad's name? <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah. The one thing that this allows is I can start seeding things yeah. as we go. Yeah. So I can bring up the name of this guy. And if the player doesn't recognize it right away, I can go like, hey, don't forget that was your so-and-so. And then in the next session, I can say that name again. It'll seed it where it's like, oh, yeah, that was a guy that I cared about. And the more that they think about that they should care about it, the more they actually will care. Right, right. And I also want to point out that if your party is the type of party that adopts NPCs, if they find a boat captain that they like, or if they find an orphan, or if they find... Not not a kobold. (laughs) If they find (laughs) anything that they make the mascot that you as the DM have control over, you have your player's party by the jugular because... If your little orphan starts caring about toppling the Dark Lord, then your party's going to take note and follow. Don't kill the mascot. Or no. or you could. Well, don't immediately kill the mascot. Hurt the mascot, you know? If you immediately kill the care. mascot, you've just killed your cojones clutch. Yes, yes. You have, them, you have them by the jugular. But again, it's only as effective as you are willing to be with it. I think one of my favorite things to do... You know, to get the players involved, get them really rooting either for each other or against each other is to throw some kind of moral dilemma in their way. Right. Like, let's say someone in the party made a secret decision with an NPC that the other characters in the party didn't know about, leading this person to gain some kind of boon at the expense of an NPC that the players cared about. That would cause drama get the players almost at each other's throats you know yeah which brings up the point that not everything is life or death sometimes the players will care more about their favorite npc being inconvenienced or harmed or misplaced more so than they care about some faceless tragedy happening a city away one thing that i found to be interesting about bringing in npcs and it happens a lot, is DMs will kill familiars or pets mm. a lot. And I get it that like sometimes they kill them because the player is abusing their use or not letting them use them very well or trying to use them in a way that inconveniences the DM's plots. But those NPCs and familiars are also avenues for building in a connection. Right. Especially if whatever it is, is sentient and able to communicate. Familiars can communicate with their master to communicate ideas and to express concerns, and they can be an avenue for NPC player interaction also. You find a little NPC that thinks that the wizard's familiar is cute and wants to feed it cookies. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, there are ways that you can turn the screws via NPCs that you control, but as the DM, you can also control situations. You can put your players into a situation where it is so small and it is so constrained, but at the same time, the stakes can feel huge at that point. A small fish in a big pond versus a small fish in a small pond feels a lot bigger. And so if you put 
the players into a, a scenario that requires them to make someone happy or gain approval or get a thing. And this key, whatever they do, unlocks more of what the, the players care about. Obtaining the widget or getting a signature on a, on a piece of paper might be the most important thing to your players at that time if you if you build it right yeah players really care about the things that's right in front of them and one thing that could be useful is to take that thing that's right in front of them and destroy it well no not destroy well, that that that's a thing but to take that thing that's right in front of them give it to them and then destroy it but have that them getting it cause some detriment later right so that's a storytelling technique so improv everyone who does D has read a couple of websites about improv because they say you want to be a dm take an improv course and then we all look at what it takes to take an improv course and it's like oh i gotta leave the house to show up to a class and so then you read a couple websites about improv and the websites all talk about yes ending where you take an idea and you run with it. You don't shut it down. You just build on it and let the skit continue to be built in cooperative storytelling. But as a writer and as a DM, you also get access to two new tools. Uh, you get access to yes, but, which is exactly what you said. Yes, you get the thing, but it gets worse. And this is because of the dice. This is because it's not purely improv where yes, ending isn't the only option. You can do no ending where due to the dice rolls the dice fail the players and the answer is no no they don't succeed no and it gets worse yeah one thing that i like to do with especially with low level campaigns is i give them some low stakes thing to do transport this thing to there and it's some innocuous thing they take it over there they drop it off they get paid and then they find out like a session or two later that what they did actually caused harm to some other group because the thing that they brought over what, what's in the box what's in the box <laughs> <laughs> yeah like oh you're just transporting some food okay transport some food you find out it was poison food you kill a bunch of people yes but it's like they got what they wanted it was a low stakes thing, but now it's kind of like, we just got, we, we, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. But now you're wanted by the enemy clan or your food was intercepted by a group of street urchins and they stole your shipment and you failed. No. And you've poisoned a bunch of kids and now some Lord of the underworld is now after you for killing a bunch of his kids. Yeah, it builds the player motivation and in involvement in the situation because the thing that they had direct control over did not go as they planned. Right. There were consequences to it. They didn't they didn't see it happening. And it can make players really frustrated. They're like, that's not what we wanted. It's railroading. Yeah. But it also like there are a lot of things that happen in real life and in stories where they don't go as planned. Yes, yes. Coincidence can always get your characters into trouble, never out. Yes, and so just kind of doubling back to personal stakes and public stakes, the internal stakes, what's driving your characters through the storyline is going to be really compelling. And whenever possible, look for ways to connect the public to the private, where it's a cliche because the big bad turns out to be a family member that the player cares about. And now that causes a dilemma. It's like, do we stop this? Do we kill it? Or are they lost? I mean, it's been played out. And so it's default and it's a little bit boring. But 
any time as a DM that you can find a way to make it personal without making it cliche is going to be a really welcome change and, and get your players into it. Yeah. Don't have the big bad be the guy that killed your father. Yeah. So, and just as a reminder, when I talk about conflict, if this is the only episode that you listen to and you don't listen to my other storytelling episodes, I do want to have a reminder that conflict storytelling is inherently about conflict. Not every story is about people punching each other in the face. That's not what I'm talking about with conflict. What I'm talking about are characters who want something. That's the stake, whether or not they get it. And the conflict is overcoming the obstacle that's standing between them and having it. It could be a skill challenge, an RP session. Skill challenge, RP session. Yes. So whenever you're building these, remember it's formulaic, but it works. It's everywhere once you peel back the veneer of prose and storytelling and set dressing that every single time that you're watching a show a character wants something there's something keeping them from having it and whether or not they get it leads to the next piece of action and there are your stakes are the stakes something they can get right now or are you offering them something that gets them closer to achieving the big stakes and what happens if they fail? Mm-hmm. And what are the fail conditions? Because is it getting one step closer to the antagonist having control of the stakes? Yeah, that's an important part is if there's no consequences for failure, then really the obstacle is useless. It yes. shouldn't have existed. Mm-hmm. They don't need to know that. Well, I mean, it, they should feel like there were consequences for failure. Because if right. they fail the thing and nothing bad happens, like whether or not there actually were consequences... You know, that's that's behind the veil. Right. But the player should feel like there were consequences because failure happens. You roll the dice. You're trying to pick lock the door. You fail. You roll really low. Are you stuck on that side of the door forever? What is the consequences that come across with any challenge? They should have a sense of what the consequences are before they get into it. And it's OK to have the quest giver know what the consequences of failing are. If you don't kill this monster, it's going to eat the villagers. And then if you fail to kill the monster, you come back to an empty village. I did a one shot the other day where the the players were like partway through this dungeon and they're like, we need to go rest. And I was like, all right, well, if you rest, something might happen. They go and they rest. They wake up the next morning and a villager was kidnapped and taken down below. And then through failures that happened in then, they accidentally killed the villager. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. I mean... Some of those consequences they knew about ahead of time. Some they didn't, but they had an idea that consequences could happen. And, yep, you know, they did. So that was another mystery demystified. Figure out stakes or else. Yeah, the story doesn't go anywhere without stakes. This was Demystified. If you liked it, we'd appreciate it if you could leave a review or share this with your friends. Our website is demystified.com, just the letter D, mystified.com. Do you have a question for us? Reach out via our Twitter handle, at Pickled Wizards, or ask on Facebook, at Pickled Wizards, same page. We might talk about your problem here.